Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We're live from uh, Luminary today in New York City. I have a feeling the sound is going to be good in this room. I feel it. What do you think, Ming? It's going to be good. All right. Good. Ming says yes. Um, okay. So we are here today back from, I actually just returned from a yoga retreat in Tulum oh. uh, and I am still half there. So forgive me. Sorry. My brain is, but what a wonderful rainy day to come into New York City to do this. I'm excited to be here. Um, so today we are here with um, somebody who we actually met at Michigan. I like to throw that in every single podcast. <laughs> yep, I she do, always says, there's I not a podcast. A Michigan drop, a go blue Michigan drop. Ming's actually a Wolverine as well. Uh-huh. So we always talk about Michigan stuff and Marissa always thinks it's annoying and funny at the same time. <laughs> um, True. So we met our guest today at Michigan. UMFMS? Um, Yes, uh, coming up on two years ago almost. Yeah, shout right. out to that those girls. Yes, that was MFMS, brilliant. Yes, oh, agree. Um, a student-run organization that brought together some real amazing leaders in the fashion space to educate Michigan undergrads who otherwise do not have the exposure to that industry, which myself included when I was there did not have. Um, so we met our guests there, and we've stayed in touch ever since. In fact, Marissa just realized and remembered that one of the things that we bonded over that day was our love for Broadway shows, but that's, I'll digress, that's not what we are here to talk about today. So we'd love for you to introduce yourself, Meredith, and um, tell us who you are and where you work and a little bit about you know what you're doing currently, and then we'll go back in time and a little bit. And unpack your story. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Meredith Paley. I'm the Vice President of Public Relations at Talbots. I have been there, um, August will be 12 years. Um, as the head of PR, I absolutely love my job. Um, I definitely think I'm exactly where I should be in life, and I don't think there are a lot of people who could say that. I think PR is just something I feel like I was almost born to do. Um, I Before this, I spent eight years at Kenneth Cole as his head of PR. And before that, I was with Nicole Miller as her head of PR. Um, and Obsessed. Have, yeah, mm-hmm. and I've and then before that worked at a small talent, uh, excuse me, a small PR firm um, where I sort of like got the chops of the business. Um, but I've enjoyed most of all being in-house at places and setting up the PR departments and just running with it. So happy to be here. Amazing. I, I've been wearing a bracelet that you got me. I think you're out. Did oh, you yeah. This? Mm-hmm. It says obsessed. Pretty on target. <laughs> yeah. Um, with that resume. Um, and for, for our younger audience, I mean, you could not be, that could not be a better pedigree. Mm-hmm. Nicole Miller, obsession. Kenneth Cole, who was, that brand was yeah. everything yeah. for the years you were there. Yeah. It was um, and then, of course, now Talbots, which is such a unique and uh, a brand to talk about as they are uh, vertical 
But do they have wholesale? They have. Ever, they do not have wholesale. Right. It is an omni-channel business. Um, we are a very big business with over 500 stores. We have catalogs online and stores. And our catalogs go out to about anywhere between four and eight million women a month, which is a huge business. I didn't realize it was still such a huge catalog yes. business. Yes, unbelievable. It's a, it's a tremendous brand mm-hmm. as far as having been doing something that has been done for years and still doing it and doing it well and yeah. then modernizing, which is something yeah. I think is really important for our audience to hear yeah. um, because there aren't that many brands that came up vertically mm-hmm. um, or omnichannel mm-hmm. that have been able to expand and figure it out, mm-hmm. um, especially when their customer yeah. is a different customer. Very different. Um, how do you how do you how do you market yourself? How do you publicize yourself in a world in which everyone is shopping differently? Yeah. And I, I give you, your team, your brand a lot of credit. Um, I can't. I actually am trying to think in my mind. Um, would you find that that you would relate to? Would it be like a Brooks Brothers that was able to figure it out? Yeah. Or are you on your own in your own island figuring it out? I feel like we're on our own island. I think a lot of people compare us to Ann Taylor with a touch of the Chico's customer just because of the age. Um, a little bit of J. Crew because we still have like that 35-ish year old woman who shops with us. But the truth is, you know, um, when I was at Kenneth Cole and my old boss had left to go to Cole Hahn. She called me one night and she said, Meredith, let's have dinner. And I, we had dinner and she said, you know, I've been talking to the people of Talbot's. I was asked to go over there and be the head of marketing. Would you want to be my head of PR? And I said, ew, I hate that clothing. It's awful. <laughs> and she said, no, Meredith, we'll have the chance to take a brand and blow the dust off of it. And those words really resonated with me because Talbot's is a brand that had a stigma right? It mm-hmm. had a stigma as old lady clothing. And I will say today, 12 years later, having put my heart and soul into turning that brand around, it has been a full on brand turnaround. You know, I think heads turned when we dressed Michelle Obama for the first time. Yeah. yeah. And after she wore one of our floral dresses, we sold 2,700 of them in two and a half weeks. And I think that was just the beginning of turning heads for people could say, well, if the first lady could wear Talbots, then I can too. And honestly, we've had so many celebrities and people wear it since then and we've been in Harper's Bazaar and Elle and all sorts and of fashion, And fashion and during your regime there, fashion yeah. and the definition of how people wear has fashion changed has changed dramatically. Like I always call it a Carrie Bradshaw effect yes. where from back in the day all of a sudden people were, were, were using clothes to express themselves in ways that were not traditional exactly. vehicles. Exactly. And I would say that we have ridden every wave, right? So from the world crashing in 2008 to us having a new regime, new president, new head of marketing, new designers, we have really, the, the brand has really excelled. And, you know, we, the goal is to, you know, we have a 55-year-old customer, right? So that's the sweet spot of the customer. But we also have 35-year-olds and we also have 70-year-olds. And, you know, when I came home from dinner with my old boss at the time and said, Mom, I think I might go to, I called my mother, whatever Jewish girl does. Mm-hmm. I called my mother and she said, I said, Mom, I might go to Talbot's. I might go be the head of PR at Talbot's. Lori asked me to go with her. And she said, ew, that clothing is awful. I wouldn't put it on Millie and Lucy, who were our dogs at the time. May they rest in peace. (laughs) Now, fast forward 12 years, what does my mother only wear? Sure. Is Talbot's. Yeah. So everybody has sort of evolved and changed with the brand. And the truth is, 
we in the PR department have evolved, right? If you would have said to me four years ago that I'd, we, my lean and mean amazing team would only be working with bloggers, I would have said you are high. Yes. Oh, those bloggers, they're not going to last five minutes. All we do now is work with bloggers, right? They have actually are the new editors. Right. Sure. So fashion has changed, retail has changed, the business has changed, our customer has gotten older, some of you know, some newer customers have come in who are younger, but also the business of PR has changed dramatically. Sure. Well, I feel like we live in a world where we're either 25 or 55. Exactly. So, you know, I think you have your audience caught up for you. And I love how you said, I mean, I don't know how many people that I've met I mean, with doing what Jamie and I do, 90% of my conversations, other than the ones that are on the Dreamcatchers, are based on, and I hate to say it, but when you're in staffing and recruitment, are based on negative. Yeah. People come to me when they're unhappy. Yes. So to start a conversation with, I'm exactly where I need to yes. be professionally, and I, yes. I love my job, yes. literally ignites me so yes. that I can ignite others, which is why I do this podcast, yes. to hear so, sentences like that. But yeah. before you mention, before you go further, yeah. you don't start at the top. We no. don't start at the top. So I think it would be important for all of us to go backwards in time, a little DeLorean action. Um, what was, and we talk about this all the time because it's one of Jamie and my favorite things to, to kind of like dive in and look at things really interestingly through our choice fashion and media, dream catcher, magnifying glass. What was your first job? Like your actual first job, yes. babysitting, like we're talking back. Yeah, so I didn't work through high school. So I didn't have like, oh, I worked at the local bakery. I went to Horace Mann up in Riverdale. It was a very all-consuming, all-in high school, middle school path. And I did homework 24 hours a day. So I never really had a job. I barely babysat. I tap danced. I ice skated. And like I did homework. Um, so my first jobs were not really until the summer before freshman year of college, where I worked at a place called the Door Store, which is defunct and is sort of like the Pottery Barn of the 1980s. Mm -hmm. But, you know, exactly what you said, I did not start at the top. In fact, I started at the very bottom because I went to Horace Mann, I went to Carnegie Mellon University, I came back to New York and I thought, hello, New York, I am back. And I had nothing on my resume. Yeah. I had nothing I majored in writing. Did everyone hear that? Yeah. It's Carnegie Mellon. I had nothing on my resume. I had worked summers to make some money for college. I had, you know, worked at French Connection one summer on Columbus Avenue where I, where I met two of my best lifelong friends. Um, but I had nothing on my resume to land a job. So now when you were at Carnegie Mellon. There were no internships. But no one what was your major? Writing. Professional writing. Okay. So, so for those those of you that don't know, Carnegie Mellon is like a well-known um, niche focus on, on engineering. It is, but they have a phenomenal writing program and acting too, which Got I it. did not do acting. Um, but a lot of people did, very well-known people graduated. So, but when you were in high school, your, your flavor was writing. Yes. Well, what did you want to be when you grew up, like when you were young? I didn't know. I knew one thing. And that is that I knew that I wanted to do something in media, in fashion, mm-hmm. in beauty, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was because you were from New York? Yes, I do. And I was you obsessed were with magazines yeah. and I loved fashion. But back then, there was no major for PR. This is yeah. very important for all the kids out there listening. Now there are majors in marketing and PR. If I would have majored in PR, first of all, I didn't even know what PR was. Yeah. Right, same. 
So my best, my college best friend, my college roommate and my best friend at the time was able to get a job at Mirabella Magazine, which is defunct. Sure. And then she became the beauty editor at New Woman Magazine. And then she moved up the ranks, had big jobs at L'Oreal. I was a temp. I could not find a job, you guys. I applied everywhere and for everything. I would go into temp agencies and they would say, hi, can you take a typing test? And I would fail it. <laughs> And a girlfriend of mine even said, oh, Meredith, come here. I hope in. you didn't register a choice. Yeah, it made yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, so, it, sounds, it sounds oddly familiar. Yeah. Terrible. And so <laughs> a friend of mine was working at MTV. She said, Meredith, come be in the temp pool. So if a president's assistant was out for yep. the day, I would go sit at their desk. I walked in. I had been applying for jobs all over the world, but never wanted to leave New York, except for Oprah, which I'll get to. But... And I went in, I was so excited to be at MTV. This was, you know, the 90s, the 80s, like MTV was so cool. I walk in and I could tell you what the room looked like. I could tell you what the woman looked like. She said, okay, take a typing test and I failed. And I just didn't like fail. I miserably failed because I couldn't type. So you know what happened at Horace Mann? It was not a mandatory class to take typing like it was at Northern Valley Ultapan no. <laughs> in Bergen County, New Jersey, it which wasn't. by the way, Mr. Clancy, rest in peace. Right. I took that class with flying colors. And I was did not. T space. Like I like I, remember it. They would say it. You'd have to like learn how to yes, type. Yes, I'm brain. like, who would have known that typing? No, no right idea. Who needs typing anymore? But I failed but still, And so she walked in. She said, Meredith, I'm so sorry. I can't put you in the temp pool. And I started to cry. And I'm not telling you that I had like little tears flowing down my face. I was heaving, like oh, sobbing. No. And I said, in the no, MTV no. lobby. In the MTV, yes. I said, no, 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 you, you, you have to let me, like, I, I'm smart and I've been published and I, I, went, to like, Carnegie Mellon. I went to Carnegie, I went to Horace, like, yeah, and she was like, well, let me give you another typing test. And she did. And I failed it even worse. And she said, well, you know what? You can be a receptionist. So the next day they called me and I was a receptionist and I spent like two years at MTV and VH1 and I had the time of my life, front row at Janet Jackson, second row at Bruce Springsteen. But it was not a career path. But I was enjoying my time, and I was teaching aerobics after after work, to, and it was aerobics, to um, make money. Um, but I had no career path, but at least I had, like, great experience. I'm getting, like, a Rachel Green vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. But I, what I think... Minus so, the Carnegie. Right. What's so interesting, though, about your story is, like, is, is no... That's I didn't give up. Several years, and we tell this advice all the time, exactly. Never give up. You never know unless you go. Had you not gone and failed the typing test, you would never have gotten the receptionist job and be open-minded, which and like, we tell let's be young honest, kids you all the time. Vulnerability. We talk about, in 2019, you talk about authenticity and vulnerability the way we talk about green juice and acai bowls, right? I hate to say it, I always say those things. But, I mean, you showed vulnerability. And instead of being nasty to you, she was kind to you because that was yeah. what was meant for you in that moment. Yeah, she was. And, and they called me the next day, so I probably wasn't that bad. And I stayed there and I ended up working for the president of VH1 and the has, head of vice so president. Virgo. I'm a, I'm a Virgo. We know you're a Virgo. So I the story could actually be very different yes. than what happened in the MTV room. The, the other, yes. Yeah, could have been the your other perception. thing that I thought was interesting is that some of the people who I worked with at MTV and VH1 are still my close friends today. So I made wonderful contacts. So you were, you were meant to be there. And... You know, I started out in PR myself, graduated Michigan, didn't know where to go, was living on my sister's couch. I was like, I went to Michigan. Like, I can't believe I can't find a job. Like, she did have a bed. It me? wasn't a couch. Um, but it, I was basically living in Marissa's yes. living room. Like, yes. We didn't even have enough money no, we didn't to have put up the wall. Like, yeah. I just, like, lived in the living room with, like, I a Chinese sure. screen. Yes. Um, and I have to say, like, and I started in PR, actually. I started in a small PR agency because they gave me a chance. Yes. And if I wasn't open-minded at that time, 
I would never have found what I was doing then and then what I tripped into doing now. So I think it's a really good message that you just kind of took a chance on the job, but also on yourself. You're like, all right, screw it. I'm going to do it. So then fast forward a bit for us. So you, we, we covered a lot of our first questions there where you didn't have internships. Your first real job was a receptionist at MTV and a temp pool, which is a great piece of advice even now. When did you then find what you were meant to do? So while I was temping, at MTV, my best friend from college, who was, I think, at uh, she was the beauty editor at New Woman Magazine at the time, which is now defunct, but which was an amazing magazine. Or was she at Maribel? I can't remember. Um, she called me and she said, Mayor, um, there's an uh, account executive job opened at a small PR per- PR firm called Atelier Creative, you should go apply for it. And so I did, and they he hired me on the spot. And that was the turning point. That was my first foray into the fashion and beauty world. And we worked on amazing things. It was a four-person office, so I got to learn everything. Mm-hmm. He was extremely creative, and we just came up with fun, wacky ideas. So we launched Urban Decay Makeup. Oh, my goodness. No way. No we way. launched Smashbox. We worked with Yope, J-O-O-P, Yope. My Please. first job, mm-hmm. the first job I had was at Tony and Tina Cosmetics, which uh-huh. was your direct competitor. Right. I remember. They yep. made the glitter pot just like Urban did. Decay did. Yep. I used to wear that glitter pot. Yep. And so that was it. So I stayed there for a good three years until somebody called me an editor. Because So think about yes. this. So all the young girls, myself, we were all sort of growing up in the business together. So yeah, now sure. a lot of the girls who I work with now who are editors are just a phone call away from me because we've all grown up doing yeah, this Yeah, sure. Together. They were all your So I was, I was there for about three years and I was sort of ready to leave. And I really wanted to go in-house at a brand. I wanted to know what it was like not to have 17 different clients, but to be in-house. An in-house, one dedicated PR person for that brand. So a girlfriend of mine called me who was at Harper's Bazaar at the time, and she said, you know, Meredith, there's a job open at Nicole Miller. And so I sent my resume, and they interviewed me. And actually, they hired me on the spot, Nicole and Bud, who passed away last year. But um, And so I stayed with Nicole for almost four years, and I built the PR department. There was really nothing there. And this was the time of, like, press releases that you mailed out to somebody. Yeah, I remember those You know, days. samples that you hand-delivered, fashion show seating that you did on a little rickety computer. There was no software. Fashion shows for 1,200 people that I would do the seating with one assistant. And Nicole Miller, let's be fair, was a brand that was in and of itself different and refreshing. Awesome. And also had had a name for a while. So, I mean, for, for again, for our audience that may not be privy, Nicole Miller's was dress. She ended up, she ended up having better and bridge also. Yes. She had a barrel, but her, her mainstay was dress. And what it was, was probably the first affordable fashion driven garment in dress that like all walks of life could attainably get. Mm-hmm. Where like, it was like, okay, I wanna go out, I have to wear like a black tie outfit and I can't wear Gucci, but I still really feel proud that I'm wearing Nicole Miller. Yeah. Right? Is she really, first of all, Nicole's phenomenal. She's a namesake brand. Yeah, and she's and so an American creative, brand, which was American such a big deal. And she, she built it on her own with Bud Conheim together. They met and built this business that's been around now for like 30 years. Like a true years. old school dress business he, that ended up being modern. Totally. And, um, you know, she, we had a blast doing runway shows and dressing celebrities and, you know, uh, doing events at stores and events at department stores. And it was really, um, I, I 
absolutely loved my time there and I love Nicole and still happily in touch with her and um, and then someone an, an editor at Elle magazine excuse me at Marie Claire magazine emailed me one day and said you know I heard there's an opening at um, Kenneth Cole he's looking for a head of PR by the way I, I hate to interrupt you but what you're saying even now like you know because I did start in that business myself as an AAE and start and I made it till AE before I switched to HR at my agency uh-huh. I went into my HR person complaining about my boss uh-huh. and she ended up saying what is it that you really love about your job uh-huh. and I digress here because I've told this story before but she said tell me what you love about what you're doing which I thought was such a good exercise and I still use to this day and I said I like to do the internal newsletter uh-huh. I like the bulletin boards uh-huh. and I like the internship program uh-huh. and she said your answers really should be death sides and editor lunches yeah. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you're actually talking about HR, yeah. um, which is actually oddly not very different from PR. But instead of doing PR for a product, I ended up doing PR for the agency itself yeah. and attracting talent. Yeah. So P.S. I switched to HR at that agency. Mm-hmm. But um, what I was going to say and the advice I was going to give is everything you're saying is the relationships that you built. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're still close. Right. With and by the way, this is pre-LinkedIn. You're like a walking li- so, LinkedIn. By the way, that's what say, this is pre-LinkedIn. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. So yeah. I was the relationship yeah. that you were building with these editors who were your clients, basically, yeah. or people you needed to impress in ways, um, were calling you because yes. you made an impression on them. Yeah. And vice versa, that they had some sort of relationship with you where when they learned that somebody else they worked with was leaving a company they thought of you mm-hmm. so you left an impression you did you were good at keeping in touch which is something that we tell people all the time stay in touch take somebody's card mm-hmm. connect to them on LinkedIn because you never know when that job is going to be available now you obviously lived in a world where LinkedIn didn't exist yeah, um, but it's just good advice to our yeah. listeners to think about how when you're making these impressions what can you be doing to stay in touch with them yeah. and when there's somebody leaving a job and also editorial and PR is probably the b- b- best example of like true it's not just sales it's true business development oh, so if you're, on, if you're better at the business development relationship side yeah. that's a really good track yeah. to be in it, it's very interesting and I, I, I guess you're real I mean people make fun of me and they say that like um, six degrees of Meredith Paley because I do keep in touch. It is like a full-time job for me. I keep my my contacts very close. And I think what's interesting is to go backwards for a second is that my intern at one of my interns, I take oh, I put a lot of work into my interns because I that feel like same. I did not have that as a as a kid. I never had an internship and therefore couldn't get a job. But I have never not had an intern since the day I started really working in-house. And one of, several of my interns, but the two that I can think of off top. So one of my interns at Nicole Miller, I eventually took with me to Kenneth Cole. When I left Nicole, Kenneth Cole, she now has my job at Kenneth Cole. She's one of my very best friends to this day. In fact, was just at my daughter's bat mitzvah a month ago. So, you know, we have stayed very close. One of my interns at Nicole Miller, has worked for me now for seven years at Talbot's and I love it. my head of my team. So I keep people close, but they stay close with me. And it's, it's very important to keep, to constantly network. But for me, it's less about networking than it is just keeping your contacts close, right? So when mm-hmm. you, not, not for just selfish reasons, when I need something, I can call a friend. Like, it's just, it's, it's so part of your career. It's so part of the business of PR is just having those lists of people 
that you can call. That you can call, you know, and and you know, even last night I needed the contact for somebody and I shot an email to an old friend who I worked with 10 years ago and I'm still close with and in 3.6 seconds later she sent me the, the info I needed. Yeah. And that actually changed the course of my morning cuz then I was able to pitch this person. Right? right. So it's very important I, I you know, I I always joke like a lot of my interns have gone on to be presidents of companies because I put so much time and effort into you know, training them because it's something I didn't have. I'm going to Jimmy Fallon today because one of our interns. One of our old interns went on to be a page at NBC and then got a job at NBC and is currently working on Jimmy Fallon and she was able to get it. Actually, she's moved on. She's on, um, she went, she, her, the last set of tickets that she honored was for me, which I felt so incredibly grateful for. Um, But we feel the same way about this job that's worked for us and, and we feel really proud that like you, I'm sure a lot of these people come to you. They don't necessarily know they want to do PR and you basically teach them the business. That's how our girls that have worked for us over the years, we feel so proud to say that. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm thinking about talked, my people. We talked. They we, know who they are. We taught them how to recruit and how to do what we do. And we have one at Dior and one at Ross and one at Macy's and one at Stony Clover. And it's just, we're so proud of the fact that we've taught them this business they fell in love with it absolutely and then they went on to and flourished and left us behind but that yeah, happens that's yeah okay um no they left we, the nest they fine. left us behind they left us behind i'm just kidding <laughs> we get to work with them all the time now which is really nice but um no i i, I hear you loud and clear i think even, that's very important even for talbots you know listen i was a kenneth cole I set up the PR department. I had a great staff, great team, excuse me. Were you all the way on the west side in that building where Uh no one else was for a while? It's so funny. It's now it's like the middle of everything. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Kenneth has very good vision. Vision. We talked about this when I met you the last time, but my best friend's dad was the CFO. Um, Oh, Stan. Stan, Yeah. yeah. Tan Stan, we call him because he's so tan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And awesome. We love him. But um, I really had no plans of leaving Kenneth Cole. We had done some amazing things. And remember, this was the time before social media. So if I had to get press on a public service announcement we did with Sharon Stone and Nelson Mandela and Natasha Richardson and Elton John, I had to actually call and pitch that like we didn't really have like Mm -hmm. you know we had email but I didn't have like do you feel like it's a lot easier now it's so much easier even though it's so saturated it's still easier to just send an email you know these kids today they don't know how easy they they are I mean you were in the post you were the postman with the snow and the rain I mean I tell people when I was sending out resumes when I speak to students and I was sending out resumes back after college I had to go and type out my resume. Yeah. Type out the. If I made a mistake, I used corrector type. Yeah. Or liquid paper. If we kind of had that, I used to fold it up, handwrite or type on the envelope where it had to go. Slap a stamp on that baby and walk my tush to the to the post office. And we knew. Office. And we know you weren't a very good typist. No, so this was very challenging. So remember, very so each cover letter Lots took of corrective tape. Two, yeah. Two, yeah. Each cover and probably a ton of mistakes, which mm-hmm. kills me to reflect on that now. But. Um, you know, each cover letter took a good two hours, probably. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that's oh my hilarious. God. Well, we covered a lot of our original questions, and I think you know what I'd love to kind of dive into now as we're halfway through is what is it that you're doing now? So, obviously, we know that you are the vice president of PR for Talbots. If you could tell us a little bit more about what it is your day to day looks like, what is and, it that and you've doing? been there for twelve years? Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, as I said before, the world of PR has drastically changed with the onset of bloggers and social media and Instagram. Influencers. Um, And influencers, which is really the word that we use instead of bloggers. They're all influencers. Um, So, my little lean and mean team sits in New York, but the main offices for Talbots are in Hingham, Massachusetts. Sure. There are about 100 people in the New York office, give or take, which is PR, production, design, etc. Some pattern making. So the rest sits in a huge campus-like facility in Hingham, Mass, 40 minutes outside of of Boston. Um, So the PR department reports into the marketing department. um, And marketing department sits, you know, in the Boston office. So we are on the phone with them 24 hours a day and have meetings, you know, um, by video, etc. Um, that must be nice. Yeah, so it's do you great do that much video. more where at the beginning of your run there you probably went to Boston more often. Exactly, yeah. And I still go to Boston when I can for things that you just want to be there in person for. Um, the day-to-day is ne- never looks the same. I will tell you the day-to-day, what does look the same is that we are always sort of on our toes and hustling. Um, so it could be anything from Adam Glassman at Oprah Magazine calling and say, I really want this sample for the cover of Oprah Magazine or for my pages in the, in the O Magazine next month. Can you send over the sample? And that could involve handing over my corporate card to an intern and saying, get in a taxi and bring this up to Adam at Oprah Magazine. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the days are looking like where we have certain brand moments where we are working on specific projects. Like to, this month is October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness. We found six renowned female artists, very well known, to create silk scarves that at what, what um, October breast cancer means to them. So it's about the strength and resilience of women. And we as the PR department have gone out to get a bazillion press impressions on these on this scarf collection. So you had to start that, what, seven months ago? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we did long lead press, we did short lead press, which we are doing now, and we are doing the whole influencer And short lead, short lead press would is be influencers. newspapers, and influencers. They don't Got get it. as long of a lead time to write their article. Oh my God, I'm exactly. fascinated. I'm hanging on every word. So... You know, we last year got 68 million impressions. This year, we're we're up about 200 million impressions. Can you define what an impression is for us? Every single time an eyeball sees what you are posting, it is an impression. Yep. So I'm, I'm not scrolling. Going, right. I went in past, it went and you past liked time. it. So how many likes, how many followers does that influencer have? There's all sorts of metrics yeah. that really, that are too long for this conversation, but so we work on that and then we create monthly reports last month we did a story um we did a relaunch of our pants explaining that 2000 we talked to 2000 women around the country what do you love in pants we took those findings and talbots designed a, a whole line of pants it was pr's job to go out and get press on the on this new pants collection we did tv segments we did influencer campaigns we did stories in newsday we we did and you guys are doing this all lean underneath your roof lean and me i have a question and it's a professional personal question um very good question i sometimes use an agency to help us on specific little projects can you help us with breast cancer i do not have an agency on 24 7 um retainer retainer absolutely not i don't believe in it because you can execute it because a lot yourself. We can, uh, that's what i'm in house for yeah 
And that's why I have a crazy But awesome it's no different than what me. we do. Like our our clients will bring us in on, on things like when you needed a When I called you. Yeah, you yeah. called us, we helped you because you need you were you had a busy time happening and you needed help. So that's one of the things that we kind of specialize in is stepping in yes. to help yeah, in, to in our a audience. We work together. Yes. We're helping we're helping tell it's by a choice fashion meeting, which is it's nice for all things to come yeah. full circle. Uh, so so here you are. I have a question just for me and or our audience. Hopefully it's not I don't think it's too personal, but it is professional personal. You grew up in an era that did not have to do majority of the dancing you're doing today. How did you learn? I How did you learn? I do not know. And I, I do not know. And people have asked me that. I do not know. I, I When I sat here and the first thing I said is I love my job. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I have this weird feeling that like in my gut, I just kind of like have figured it out. Yeah. And I think that could be the Virgo in me. Like you give me something and I'm not going to let it go like a dog with a bone without I figure it out. I get it done. I figure out the strategy, the path. And how am I going to get over there? And listen, you read a lot. And you had to have been open-minded, though. Like, how would you have known to even hire the right people to support you to learn how to do half these things? How did I even know how to do paid integrations? Now, you know, now you have to, when you partner with with TV stations, what used to be a freebie, oh, let me send them a couple scarves. They'll use them for the, they'll use them for, for the breast cancer segment. Now, a lot of those things that you guys see, and sometimes you realize it, and sometimes you don't, are paid integrations. You have to pay them to do it. Yes. Not always. Not always, but who knew that that was going to be a big thing? I didn't know. Well, because there needs to be revenue everywhere. Everywhere. Otherwise, how do you support all of this adventure? So I don't know. You know, you figure it out. First of all, you look at what other people are doing. You look at what other brands are doing. You read a lot. You read WWD. You read websites. You read Fashionista. You read this one. You, You keep your eyes on the business and how people are doing partnerships. Whoever knew that partnerships with influencers was going to be a thing? Whoever knew that celebrity partnerships were going to be True. a thing? You just... I mean, you, other you than kinda, sports endorsements, there was nothing. There was nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just kind of... You, you, you roll with the times, but you keep up with the times. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear that. I think that's fascinating. And what about, so I like the concept. So for instance, I like the concept of you doing your marketing survey and then like making a line of pants. Love it. That's like direct to consumer. I eat that stuff up. If I had stayed in the fashion side, I probably would have been in product development and merch because I liked understanding how to make the designer do what the sales team did. So that was my thing. But I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about my own social Instagram feed. And all these little businesses that are coming up, all these little new dreamers, which I love. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm thinking of, there's a brand that I'm sure you know of that was a, a swimsuit brand based in um, the Midwest, Somersault. Mm-hmm. You've seen that brand in your yeah. Instagram? Okay, well, now you will because your phone's mm-hmm. going to hear it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they did like a elevated um, swimsuit that's supposed to fit that was different and special for X, Y, and Z reasons. And you were supposed to get all this for like 88 to $98. Done. I, I fell for it. Yeah. I was into it. Uh-huh. And I have several. And then of course now I see several of them at my beach club. So now, uh-huh. now I no longer right. want to see right. several. But their new concept for off season is pants. Oh, that's so so it just made me think uh-huh. of like there are people doing this stuff. Like how do you, 
how do you, and that's your job. How do you yeah. stay in relevant. the eye and relevant of your customer without alienating yeah. them when there's a sea of noise out there? Yeah. It's so noisy, all of us yeah. can't figure out how to turn down the noise 90% yeah. of the time. It's very hard. You know, um, listen, there are a lot of customers out there that are being hit by a million different things. You know, Instagram, social, commercials. You're right. My phone will probably hear what we're talking yes. about and I'll get ads when I leave here. Yeah. You know, it's, I know for a, from a PR point of view, I feel like we just try and never stop. So we're constantly with never the email me. pitches. Never we're stop. constantly sending out samples. We're constantly doing blogger boxes, curated boxes of our Buffalo check clothing, of our ski sweaters, of our new shoes, of our, you know, constantly staying one step ahead. It's, it's very difficult, but it's what we do. Yeah. Right. It's what you do. Yeah. I love that. And I, I do want to go backwards for a moment because you mentioned it earlier and I'd love to hear the story, your Oprah story, mm-hmm. because you mentioned- Does that fall into what's something you failed at maybe? No. Um. Yes and no. Because our next question was, what's something you failed at? So, or, and or what is something that you wish you'd known when you started? So if yeah. you'd like to maybe launch into that story, because we'd love to hear it. I feel like it's going to be a good spider web. I'm yeah. ready. Okay. So while I was failing at- finding a job after college and sending out 12 million resumes a day, Oprah, the Oprah show, which was on ABC, mm-hmm. had started. And I became obsessed because I thought that I would be pretty good at working at a, at a, at a talk show because I'm, I work very fast paced. And I feel like I'm a little bit of a Nancy Drew. Like, I think one of your questions was like, what do your friends come for you, come to you for? Yeah, like, who are you in your group Like, I'm like the living, like... Meredith, how many times a week should I exercise? And what's the name of the doctor on the east side you went to? And can you tell me what book you just read? And what's the show you saw last week? So, like, I feel like I'm, like, yes. this weird human Google. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm, like, not that sharp. But, like, I just, I do a lot. And I, I like. And you're a cheerleader for the things that you love. And I really and I am. like, jam. I really yes. am. And, and I'm very passionate, even about, like, the ice cream I like. You know what yes. I mean? So, um, anyway, so Oprah had just started. And I was like, I really think I could work for that show. So here I am, a New York girl, born and bred. And I thought, well, if I'm going to move out of New York, I would only really move to Chicago if I get to work for the Oprah show. So you have to remember, back then, there were no DVRs. There were no VCRs. There was nothing. So at 4 o'clock, when I was home looking for a job and not working, I would watch the Oprah show, and I would watch the credits, and I would have a pad, and I would quickly write down the name of the producers. Jennifer Stamper, this one, that one, that one. And I would would go to my my rickety typewriter, and I would... Ding, ding, ding. J. Right? The cover letter. (laughs) So I want to be very honest that I did that 14 times. I applied to Oprah 14 times in Chicago, folded up the letter, the business, the resume, slapped a stamp on that baby and hauled my ass over to the post office that was a couple blocks away 14 times. And I never heard a word. Not one word. Mm-hmm. Not a call. Nothing. I well, had that, a that's very machine. true this day. Yes. Not not for Oprah, but in general. Yes. People don't hear when they apply. And I really wanted to work there. So at the time, my brother was applying to medical school. Um, and he had to get more credits. And so he was going to Loyola University mm-hmm. and to get some medical credits. He's now a very big chief of gastroenterology, which is a whole nother podcast to talk about my the success of my brother, which I could cry about. But... Um, I so my brother invited my mother down to Chicago and he surprised her with tickets to the Oprah show. Oh my god. And so you must have felt very left out. Yeah, but I was like happy for them, you know? Yeah. And so after the show at that time, because it was relatively new, they must have passed around a suggestion box that said, give us show ideas. 
my mother and father are divorced. Here's the new recipe for whatever, you know, all different show ideas. Why haven't you called my daughter back? Right. right. My and mother, which I just found out a month ago, my mother ripped out a check. I thought she just ripped, got a piece of paper. She told me like a month ago, she goes, you know, Meredith, that was a voided check. She ripped out a check from her checkbook. She voided the front of it and wrote, please hire my daughter. And she wrote my phone number. Oh my God. She put it in the suggestion box. Best story ever. Oh my God. And I never heard from them. And I just thought it was a piece of paper, but she said, you know, Merit was a voided check. Even more special. So here it even shows like the desperation of like me trying to get a job and my family is fully involved too. Right. So if there were hashtags back then, that would have been a real hashtag. Serious. Hashtag voided check. I yeah. love it. So anyway, so months and years go on. And um, I even, you know, when I was at Kenneth Cole, um, I, we, we did some work with Oprah a little bit, just sending some product here and there or whatever, but never really, you know, just knew that, like, I was still watching the show. I still loved her Love. for everything that she stands for. Um, but it was always, like, my dream to, like, work at that show. Anyway, um, when I go to Talbot's, one of the things that my boss and the head of uh, uh, design at the time says, you know, Meredith, I'd love to get a segment on the Oprah show about the changes at Talbot's. They had just done something with Tory Burch. They had just done something with J. Crow. So I pitched, I pitched, and actually one of the producers called me back. I was shaking in my boots because I thought, oh my God, I have a producer of the Oprah show on. They didn't call me 15 times. So lo and behold, they ended up doing a little bit of a segment on Talbots. I got to work with the producers. And one of those producers to this day is a very, had became a very close friend of mine. Um, and I did tell her the story, how many times I applied, including how many times I wrote to her. Um, but she had just never, you know, listen, these people were flooded with. Sure. Um, but she is, to this day, one of my very dear friends. Um, and she has since retired, retired from the show because the show is closed, uh, had, is no longer. But um, so... Here I am working at Talbot, starting to work a little bit with like the Oprah show, and then it ends. And then we started to work closely with Oprah Magazine. And now, to date, uh, March will be our fifth year working closely with Oprah. Every March, we partner with Dress for Success. Love it. And Oprah Magazine and Talbot's together with Adam Glassman, who's the creative director, we all create a capsule of clothing where 30% of the net proceeds goes to Dress for Success. To date, we've raised $6 million for Dress for Success in conjunction with Oprah Magazine. But... On the flip side of that, I've gotten to meet Oprah six times. Excuse me, five times. Um, Almost I, six. I have Almost six. pictures to share. In your mind, it's six. Yeah, I have pictures to prove it. Um, we sponsored um, Holland America Cruise last year with Gail King and Oprah. Talbots was a sponsor, so I got to really speak to Oprah several times. Had a very, very intense... Did you tell her about the voyage check? I did not, but her team does know. Some of her people do know. Um, we actually had a very intense face-to-face conversation about Michael Jackson at the time because that news had broken. Um, but regardless, I have... Eye to eye, contact, spoken to her, have pictures in my office to prove it that could wallpaper a wall. But for me, the pictures are great. The meeting is great. The working with Elle magazine has been over the top phenomenal. But for me, it symbolizes something so much bigger than that in that you don't know when life is going to come full circle. If you would have told me 20 something years ago Mm -hmm. that I would be in the same room with Oprah or even working with the magazine, I would have said you were high. Because there's no way. Here I am, a a picture of a kid trying to get on her talk show, never heard from anybody. The thought that I would even have 
a picture, let alone eye contact with the woman, be in the same room with her, um, and even now do work with several of her old producers as well who have gone on to do incredible things. I would have never believed you. You know, I think I think that there's a word in this day and age that is actually encapsulates everything that you try. You were manifesting it. Yeah. You never gave up on it. It was your ideal dream. And in some parts, we ebb and flow in life, right? And, you know, for instance, I always wanted to work in beauty. That's all I ever wanted to do. Tony and Tina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> four summers of internships, two at Lauder, two at Revlon. Uh-huh. Am I working in beauty? Yeah. No. No. Um, but last week, but we touch beauty. Yes, we do you touch do. beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very oh, tiny, tiny touches. Tiny, tiny touches. And tickle. also Sephora. A my, there's a Sephora in my building. Fine. Um, but point is, last week we had the opportunity to, two weeks ago now, host an inaugural um, panel conversation in our other lives, in our our other lives in New Jersey. It's a Metro Verb Bell Works. We talk about it a lot. Anyways, we interviewed the uh, senior staff from IFF. And I was literally, like, I tried to be chill about it, but, like, it definitely slipped out, like, a few times. And I was like, they have, like, perfume school. I'm going to go. And, you know, it's like my 17-year-old self was, like, flipping out. Yeah, yeah. My point is, is it's how amazing to do a job and be in your career and never giving up and being in and off your hamster wheel and yet at the same time still being able to come back to your original home base which yeah. by the way she didn't know at the beginning her home base came from her from her unknown yeah you didn't did. it's not like you were wanted to be something at 5 years old now granted you wanted to major in in, in writing does parlay of course yes. if i were to unpack yeah. that as a counselor it parlay yeah. into your career choices yeah. but like your innermost passion came from your unknown we posted some Something yesterday on the Dreamcatchers that sometimes when you feel feel buried, it's when you bloom. Yeah. Oh yes. You're actually right. been planted. Yeah. So yeah. you so you created this Thanks pipeline. To Hoda. That was Hoda. Right. Of course, yeah. another another Love amazing Hoda. person. I mean, dear Hoda, dear Oprah, thank God for all of you. So, but my point is, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You're doing it, but you're touching it in a different way. Jamie translates that to our audience and staff and people that follow Choice Fashion Media and whatnot is brand crush is something she talks about all the time. Yeah. So if you can't like if you, work with Oprah, how can you work? How can you get to Oprah? Right. So like for you, you tripped into it and it's so amazing to hear the way you it's did. It's not a trip. It's not. It's, 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 it's very, it's it was, all it was synchronized. Yeah. But I do think that like, for example, you had this overwhelming brand crush on Oprah. You were die to work there. You did all the right things and you didn't get it. Does that mean you give up on that dream? No. no. Because by the way, there's an opportunity that could find you that if you continue to try and you continue to plug forward, you will get there. You will touch Oprah somewhere. when and you're you in did. Yeah. And I think that's like, we give that advice to young people all the time. If you have an obsession with Oprah, you don't have to just work at Oprah, Oprah magazine. You could work at a brand that does PR that works with Oprah's editors there. Yeah. You could work at her, like, you know, her event marketing agency. There's yeah. all you different. You could just move to Chicago. Right. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> well, nowadays on LinkedIn too, we give this advice always. It's like nowadays on LinkedIn or anywhere else, you can find other ways to touch Oprah's magazine, yeah. for example, without having to just work at Oprah. Like yeah. I, I gave this example last week. If you have this obsession with working for Chanel because you've always want to work for Chanel, it doesn't mean that you have to just work there. Right. There's 70 other companies that work yeah. with Chanel in some media way. Agencies. There's the company that puts on their their uh, fashion shows, their events, their media agencies. There's all other ways. And I think so often young people especially are so siloed in their thinking they forget 
Yeah. And I think you're a true testament of of if you just keep plugging forward, you will somewhere, granted your situation is like an amazing storyline of it, but it's a real testament to never giving up. And here you are now having this proof of, of working with Oprah and meeting her five times, which is like just unbelievable to all of us. Also, all speaking her. of perfume, I wish I could wear the, the Paley scent. Because in all fairness, you scream every single one of the mantras that we talk about. And sitting here with you it makes me feel like... <laughs> Like I'm, like I woke up on the right side of the bed this morning. I don't it's always like, wake up on the right. Side. I know, but you know what? That's okay. We don't. Last, yesterday you know, morning, as long I as I don't have to see, it, I didn't see it. We so didn't see it. We're good. We're good. Happy you did it. Well, if a tree falls in the forest, say yes. You epitomize. Dream big. You epitomize. These are all our mantras, um, by the you way. You never know unless you go. I think you've screamed it yeah. from the rooftops. Network the most when you need it the least. You embody yeah, it. Um, and another card to take, another hand to shake. You're doing it right now. Yeah. So I think. For us to have you on the Dreamcatchers is a true honor because you 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 really um, represent everything that we try to encapsulate, you know, and, and and not for nothing, what we do is is challenging. Yeah. So the the publicity of finding good happiness through your career is not easy. Right. So if yeah. we can. Zoom we like in to highlight someone. people like that that really are doing something amazing and still working in a traditional way in and inspiring others and staying inspired is is such a hard thing these days. Yeah. The career is is so much a part of our fabric. Why do you work? Where do you work? Yeah. Why did you so stop working? Why did you go back yeah. to work? It's do? like our exactly. It's our generations. Where do you go to college? Yeah. Right. It's where do you go to college, and then it switches to when are you getting married, and, and then how do you identify? To, what is your identity? And yeah. career is so much of of who we are. Yeah. And so we love talking to people that have such a cool career story and love what they do yeah. for one reason yeah. or another. And I really do. And I and I'm very very open. I speak to a lot of students, as I said before, just because it's a passion of mine to like pay yep. it forward it is it has been a bumpy it, the, the beginning was a very bumpy road um i would say you know i really felt disheartened i was very frustrated i thought i had spent millions of dollars on an education that was really not being put to use but that yeah. i had worked hard and for what i was a temp same i couldn't find a job i couldn't find contacts i couldn't i was applying everywhere i mean it was a very very tough time one that i really reflect on and think about a lot you know and i i think what's also very important here is um, when I finally went in-house, and I do not believe that everybody should go in-house. There's amazing agencies out there to work with too, but it's just for me, I want. I just was intrigued by the in-house. Once I went in-house to Nicole, and then to Kenneth, and then to Talbots, I, that was really a, an incredible path for me. But along the way, I found what I like almost think is like my mantra, like I found a rabbi. And I, and I do believe that everybody needs to find that one person, that champion, that rabbi, who really helps mm-hmm. you champion your career. So like for me, that's Lori Wagner, right? So she was my boss at Kenneth Cole. She was my boss who called me and said, Meredith, let's go to Talbot's together. She eventually left Talbot's and is now working. She's out of the fashion world, but... Um, she's free. But she, yeah. she's free. But um, she's on something, something really cool and incredible. And she's incredible. She was always... Like we did incredible work together at Kenneth Cole and phenomenal work at Talbot's. Um, but she really has been like a champion to me and, and really, you know, a rabbi. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really important. Along I love that the way use of word. You find that person. It's just that who is like, who is your person? 
She was my, she has been my person through my career. Nice to meet you, Lori. Hey, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you that. have an actual mantra? Um, I, I don't. By the way, everyone, she runs every single day, <laughs> at least five times a week, some, most of the time six, all um, weather. Do you have a mantra? Go running. <laughs> well, it's funny. Get when, up and go. When I'm, when I'm in a you know bad mood at home, my husband always says, go go for a run, Meredith. Go for a run. Get out the door. Get out the door. Um, I don't. I will. I, I don't. I just, I, I always say, like, keep on trucking. Like, yeah. you know, that's really kind of my thing. Like, it's a, it's really a term from the 70s. But um, I think there's a song. It's Yeah, okay. there probably is. But I, I really, I you know, people say, do you ever sit still? Do you ever relax? I do. Maybe it's my running when I relax, when I'm What'd really What did you say relaxed. this morning when I saw you? Yeah. You're like, I'm always ready to go. I said, I, I, she I, walked I, in, it's misty out. I was like, do you need a minute? She's like, I don't need a minute. I never, I never need a minute. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm the same way. I never need a minute. I need a minute always. Right. Person needs, like, I'm looking for minutes. enough minutes for the both of us. Right. I'm right. always right. looking for minutes. Right. <laughs> I was like, if I could reinvent finding a minute, that would be my dream job. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. Keep on keep on trucking until you get what you want. What I inspires you? Um, I, I you know I don't know. You know I'm I'm inspired by everything around me. Like you know I hear that there's a new show on Broadway. I want to go see it. Like I like to throw myself into Jamie. <laughs> you know yeah, we're the same. We're the very thing, similar. The thing is though is I I am a mother of of two teenage daughters. I feel it's important also for myself to still kind of nurture who I am and who I am is somebody who likes to exercise who likes to run who likes to see a lot of theater I love to know what's going on in the world and go see it Mm -hmm. I never want to be one of those people who's like oh no I didn't get to see that exhibit at the Met oh I didn't get to see that movie I haven't seen a movie in six months I, I it's just not who I am like my parents have seen everything on Broadway and everything on Off-Broadway. And it's sort of... Musical and play? Everything. So they just take it all. They take it all. Got and it. they have every theater subscription you could ever imagine in your entire life. And I sort of have like fed off of that too. Like, here we are in this big city. Like, take advantage. Yeah. And that inspires me. And I drag my kids and happily my husband goes too. And we try and see and do everything. Did, did your kids get the, the theater... Um, Obsession. Yeah, I mean, they like to perform, but their thing is they really love tap dancing. And my younger one loves some musical theater. My older one doesn't. So you tapped too. I tapped too. Interesting. I tapped too. Um, Same. I love tap. Yeah, I I loved it as a kid. Um, I'm certainly, my kids have far surpassed where I was as a kid. The moves are so intense. Do they enjoy going to theater with you? They do. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. And my husband does too. We try and... Well, and they're finally at an age where you can actually see some of the things together that are a little more elevated, where you don't feel like you're exposing them to something that might be too dark. Do they like... Plays? I think more musicals. Yeah. It's more fun. I tend to It's more fun. Same. Like if I'm spending my money to go or I'm putting my time in, which I am a huge theater person. Jamie and I are like legit obsessed. Um, I I prefer musicals. Although I admire a play. Yeah. I just, if I'm putting that into my things to do list, it's not as important for me. So I guess you could really say New York inspires me, right? Like I spend my mornings in Central Park and then I try and see and devour and see every movie and every show and 
if anybody has a free ticket, I tag along. I don't care what it is. I just go see it because I love it. I, I'm turning. I know. I knew I could feel you. That's Maris. Like Maris. It's like well, Maris. Right. I mean, we always joke that Maris is like the girl in Annie where she comes. She's like, I think, you know, like she yeah. like has her suitcase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I made it to New York, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, because she's just so that you can make it here, anywhere. Yeah. And she's moved to New York and she's just like, screw it. Like, I'm going to like be in New York, wakes up before work, walks in Central Park. Like, this she is like an anomaly it. compared yeah. to like the way it was when we were young, that to watch a young person do that yeah. is so inspiring to us because we're like, good for you. Yeah. Get up before work and it's walk awesome. in Central Park. It's awesome. um, so to bring it back a minute, you know, obviously we, we talk about Maris often because we love, love, love her, but, and she impresses us so much as a candidate and that's why we hired her. We loved her. Um, so you obviously interview, I'm sure, a ton of young people. You obviously have said that you do a lot of talking to students. What impresses you as somebody's looking for a job or you're interviewing them or your interns, as you've said, that you've kind of taken under your wing? What is it about what these kids this, this today are doing that impresses you? Um, I actually always look at the internships that kids have had. Isn't that funny, considering think, you didn't have one? I think because um, because I didn't have any, I think I looked to see, like, how did these kids negotiate that internship world, which I didn't know much about back then. I'm always impressed at what some of these kids are doing. Yep. So I look at that, but that does not make it or break it. And all it. these jobs on campuses now and ambassadorships. It's amazing. Yep. Yep. Um, so, but that doesn't make it or break it to me. I'm always intrigued when they know a lot about the company, so they come in having known Research. a lot about what PR is. Do your research. Do your research. Um, and I always kind of look for that spark in their eye, right? So like when I speak to students, I always say like one of my funny mantras or part of my speech is like, always get coffee. And what I mean by that, it is simply a metaphor, is just do whatever you are asked to told, asked to do. And if that means jumping in a car with 17 bags for Hearst publication on 57th Street, then that's what you're gonna do. Because we, as managers, notice that you will just go to the ends of the earth, right? And I look for that little spark Always in the eye. Always get coffee, Maris. I look for that She's spark got in that the down. eye where they're like, I'm eager, I just wanna do, just show me the ropes, just, you know? Yes. And listen, you know, sometimes our days are busy and I'll see an intern and I'm like, can you go do this? And I'll throw a sample at them, or can you get this? Or can you Xerox this 800 times and cut it into 1200 million pieces? Like, you wanna <laughs> see- That's fun. Yeah. You wanna see somebody- Yes, I will. Like, okay. Okay. You know, it's I'm, harder to find though these days yeah. to find that, yeah, mm-hmm. in this generation. I do because, yeah, it's harder to find. It is harder to find. It's a different type of person. Like, I would have, like. But that's okay. You're raising girls that are going to be scrappy. I'm raising them, too. You're raising boys. We're going to come back. Yeah. There's going to be a whole other set of people that are going to pick up what we're putting down. I agree. And it's going to be just fine. The pendulum's going to even its way out. I agree. I think. Um, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I look for. We're working on it. We're working on it. That's our most important That's our whole point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. you know, obviously we talked a lot about some of the advice that you give and the things that you look for. Like if there's one piece of advice that you could give to our listeners today, we have a mix, I would say, of listeners that are new grads, but also career shifters and people that are just inspired by listening to other really powerful people that do super cool things. So if you were to give kind of one blanket piece of advice about, you know, I love the keep on trucking or the, you know, never stop moving kind of analogies, but is there any other advice that you like to give to people when they're either feeling stuck or uninspired or? I, I feel like we live in a world right now where it's not weird or out of character to just reach out to someone who you kind of don't know. Yeah. Yep. And and I feel like 
I'm always happy to help people. People email me, hi, I'm a friend of a friend of your brother who works in the hospital next to your friends who walks the dog. And yeah, that's <laughs> us. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, great, send me the resume. Like, I feel like we live in a world of connections. And listen, connectivity, right? You're connected with people on Instagram, some of them you don't even know. But I mean, before I left here, I had a mom friend email me because she saw on LinkedIn, I knew somebody at a company where she's wanted to apply. Yes. Yes. And so I haven't spoken to this person at this company in years. But you know what? I'm gonna reach out to her. You're gonna do her a solid. Absolutely. Because you're the first connection to her and she'll get your message and the whole thing. I talked about this yesterday because- You might as well try, put the positive energy out there. Why say no? And so I really believe that you should never feel weird about reaching out to people who you might not know. And I will say, sometimes it just gets me in the first line. Hi, I know your brother. Hi, I knew your sister. We were walking your dogs yesterday and we bumped it. I mean, the weirdest freaking connections can come through my computer. And you know what? What's the big deal? Like you email them back. I email them back all the time because you know what? Maybe I'm still living in the past and maybe I'm thinking like, well, nobody did that for me. So I'm going to do that. But it's true. No one did that for me. I sit in this chair today and I sit in that chair at Two Park Avenue on the second floor in my office and I put myself there 100% on my own. I had no contacts. My mother was a school teacher in Harlem, on West 133rd Street. My dad worked in the garment center in licensing before anybody knew what licensing was. God bless my incredible parents, but they just didn't have contacts. Right. And I put myself in this chair and in that chair at Two Park exactly all on my own. And I would say you just don't give up and don't feel bashful about reaching out to somebody who you kind of don't know or you have a small connection to. You said in the first line, say, I saw you running in the park. I saw you at the gym. You know my friend. We have a cousin in common. I see you like sneakers. Like, I don't care what it is. (laughs) I love that. Uh, You love pasta. Like, I don't know. But sometimes you will catch somebody's eye. Like, I always think... You know, I always think about the importance. Also, this is probably good advice. Like, at least it's, it's at least what I think. Like those, some of those cover letters, like you get the same, like I went to college, I was 12, I did this. And mm-hmm. Like sometimes that first opening line always kind of catches a spark to me. And I think even like when I reflect on like my college essay, Mm-hmm. which weirdly I won like awards for. It was about the importance of ha- wearing clean underwear because it was the best advice your mother, my mother ever gave me. And my opening line to Is my- Is that co- why I didn't get into Carnegie Mellon? <laughs> my opening line to my college type. essay was, um, you know, the best advice my mother ever gave me was to wear clean underwear in case I was in an accident and had to go to the hospital. Type of that, you know. And so for me, like I always have put some effort into like that opening line, even for a pitch. Right? Like when I'm pitching the press, I always think that opening line is so important. And so I wonder, even when you're looking for a job, like make sure sometimes your opening line is kind of strong, right? And not the typical, because you might, you might catch somebody's eye. Yeah. Well, that's the advice we give a lot with resumes too, is just give people what they want to see or catch their attention. Mm-hmm. So if your resume is a mess yeah. and you have not worked in fashion in four years, you're currently doing something else, but you're trying to apply to something that's in fashion, maybe you need to reorder your resume. Yes. You know, and there are certain things that we give this advice all the time. Just give on top yeah. what the person that's reading it wants to see. Absolutely. Um, 
And that's a great piece of advice for a cover letter or an email, which yeah. is obviously emails are, are act as cover letters yeah. more so now um, than a true attachment. But it don't let your cover letter just be a reiteration of your resume. I, I can, as you can see in the attached. Yes, Ugh. I can see it in the attached. So it's it's delete. It's delete. It is showing who you are in some way that you can stand out. Yeah, I love that advice. I love that advice. Um, it's not everyone's fault. Sometimes people just they don't have that natural innate ability I to agree. be sparkly. Right, like and, should, and, like it's not, and by the way, I'm not, sh- I'm not. Sparkle shaming anyone. Right. Like, it's hard. Sparkle shaming. This is no sparkle shaming. We have three sparkly people at the table all coming at it from different angles. It is hard to be extra when you don't feel extra. I agree. It's hard. It's challenging. I can't tell you that my 14 letters to Oprah Oprah in Chicago were sparkly. Of course not. They were probably like, I'm desperate to work with you. Can I please work for you? Like my mom had a void check. In the collection box. But I didn't know that. You get a suggestion. And you get a suggestion. Um, So good. (laughs) Is there anything we should have asked you and didn't? No. No, I think we're pretty pretty thorough here. Now, we have talked all this calendar year, and we've been fortunate enough to be rounding the year with Ming um, doing this podcast, which has been probably about, my, a, year, about a year right yeah, now. Yeah, a year right now. Awesome. We started it when Professional we got back from, joy. from Tulum last year, and I just got back, so it's got to be a year right now. And we talk about action words. So, mm-hmm. you know, sure, was an action word for this year, an action word for the remaining months of 2019, or maybe you're starting to think about your action words for 2020. We don't like to call it um, a resolution, more so like uh, an intention. Right, and especially since you're working six, seven months out already, is there an action word that you subscribe to other than I would think uh, Meredith goes with like joie de vivre, right? (laughs) Um, Do you have an action word that defines what's next for you or what you focus on? I think focus, actually. Yeah. I think focus. That was a psychic Um, moment. Yeah. Witchy, witchy. Focus is a. And 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 I'll be quite truthful. I'm not always so focused like the days get busy my phone is beeping with mom I got a hundred on a history test and what's for dinner and better than a 60 on the history test that is true um and you know and sometimes I feel like I'm pulled in nine million octopusy directions yes um and sometimes I really need to focus in on like oh my god we have a lot going on and personally I have a lot going on um and so, you know, I'm a go-getter and I'm focused on like what's next, but like I sometimes need to really sit down and like buckle in type of thing. I don't, you know, sometimes I get pulled in a hundred directions. That's you say that about me. I just said that yesterday said about myself. Is, I think you've said octopus to me. Yeah. I think I, I just said that yesterday. I yeah. said about myself. I just need, sometimes you just need to like take a beat. Yeah. So maybe I do, go back to how we started this. So maybe sometimes I do need to take a minute. Yeah. It would be nice. Let's take a few. <laughs> Let's take hours. But together. if we take a minute, what's everyone else going to do? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, so then that parlays into what we think is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I, I could come up with several if you're not self-defined. Um, what's your superpower? Because everyone has one. Oh. Um, Besides I have, being the Google. The human, human Google. Yeah. Besides that, the human Google is like is a, a pretty good thing. one. Like if you want to rest there, um, like I'm good with it. Yeah. I have a crazy, and I think if my friends were in the next room and you went and asked them, I have a crazy gut instinct. Gut instinct. I have a I'm crazy gut instinct. Not shocked. Crazy, so it's, crazy, so crazy, like crazy, a like a crazy. special. It's actually sense. probably not even. It probably sometimes could be detrimental because I have a funny gut about things. Yeah. 
I think that's Virgo-ish too, by the way. Mm-hmm. It is. I think that I think that um, gut instinct um, and but you don't you don't feel like an empath to me. You don't feel other people's feelings. Yeah. So gut instinct without empath is a phenomenal yeah. gift because it means that you're clicked in as long as it doesn't give you anxiety, yeah. right? Sometimes. Um, know, that's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> but having a strong gut instinct is a phenomenal superpower. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid to admit it. Yeah, I agree. You know, instead of, I, I say to lean into something like that rather than to yeah. shy away. Yeah. Yeah. Because look, I mean, gut instinct and focus has gotten you to where you are today. Yeah. They haven't left yeah. you on the side of the road. No. So... Jamie, this is your favorite part. This is my favorite part. This is when we digress a bit. When we were on our first podcast ever, we were interviewed on somebody else's podcast. Um, our friend Carrie, who happy talks anniversary, about, Carrie. We love Carrie, and she um, interviews folks about brands. Her podcast is called Brand Groupies, and she with me. And she interviewed us, and her favorite line is like, "If you were a rock song, what would you be?" And it just helps people like come back down from like all the discussion about what we were just talking about. And um, we don't want to steal that from her, so we came up with our own, and we couldn't obviously just come up with one so we came up with three and that's how we like to close our interviews just because we think it helps us digress a little Mm -hmm. from all the conversation and also we find it interesting to hear other people's answers so our first and for you is fascinating for me is um you know what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant and for you your hometown is new york city Mm -hmm. so do you still live on the same neighborhoods i live on on the upper west side i've lived on the upper west side i lived on the east side when i graduated from college with a bunch of high school friends and then i moved to the west side and i've been there for many years okay so what is your favorite hometown restaurant and order. Oh, that's a good question. Um, What's the place so that makes you feel? I like love diners. Yeah, yes. yes. Love, love a diner. Diners. So there is a diner called Beyond. There's one oh, on Seventy sure. Fourth and Broadway, and there's a new one on Eighty Fourth. I've been there, Columbus. Daddy likes I go with friends. Yeah. I go. It's a place I go with a lot of friends. I go with my kids. Um, I love, they do a big salad there, which I know sounds boring, but it's a Greek salad. And then I asked for a turkey burger. And I, I knew you were going to say that. And uh-huh. they chop up the turkey. My friend Julie told me how to do this. They chop up the turkey burger in there and their balsamic vinaigrette is delicious. Yum. I then want that right now. I get a big chocolate chip cookie. I ask them to warm it up and put whipped cream on the side and a cup of coffee. A diner chocolate chip cookie? Yes, like one of the, the big, big ones? ones big ones I only like the big ones and, and then you can do that because you run 5,000 times a week um, okay so our next one is about travel which I have a feeling you love to do as well if you're yeah. like us um, so if you could travel anywhere in the world one alone two with your friends and three with your partner or with your family you can look at it in any way where would you go um, alone, I would love to do one of the retreats, like a mm-hmm. yoga retreat or something, um, which I've never done. Or You'll have to come to like, on a Tootsie retreat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she would, I would eat, she would eat Tootsie, especially like considering I, she loves to um, dance. Yeah, I would She's love that. She's a dance annual. We're going to take you. I would love that. Take um, you. I also have never gone to the ranch, which I know is a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I have a lot of friends who've gone there. So that would be an alone thing. Or even with girlfriends, I would love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, With my husband... Um, we've traveled a lot, but one thing that we haven't done yet, which I think we would, he's also a big runner and has done Ironman and very athletic, um, that, and also Michigan grad, but, um, go blue. what, what, go he, blooming. what there we, it is twice. Yep. Um, we haven't gone, we've always talked about going on like a trip that involves running. So like you go on like a running trip and so you might go to 
Colorado, but like you run every day and like you, you train, but like a retreat in like, a way, but like a running retreat, but involves running or they do that. Like they that. do. I, it just came into my feed. Someone did their um, 50th birthday with their wife and they did the biking, like a yeah. Tuscan biking tour. But I, I don't know how bike. you stay right. But it would be that same. It's exact concept that. of yeah. running. Yeah. I, I picture that. run forest run, but I know yeah. you mean something yeah. different something like that. Um, and for my family, even we, we went to Europe and we finally took the girls to Europe last summer because we felt like they were finally old enough to get it. So we did Paris and London, but I think up next might be like Barcelona or something mm-hmm. like that. I love it. Well, I think we talked about your, your Oprah brand crush a lot, but we like to finish just cause we feel like it's so interesting to hear how even people that have spent years building a career and are super successful and interviewing people all the time and that you are still inspired by what other things are doing and other people are doing. Um, so we like to close with what's your current brand crush, right? So mine is the Bubba Cup, which is, I used to be Swell, sorry, Swell. Um, but I discovered the Bubba Cup, which is an 18 um, a, a hour cold cup. And mm-hmm. I think it's 14 hour warm or something like that, but I don't ever drink hot drinks, so I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I discovered it by accident in that I wanted the Yeti, but it was expensive for the size of Yeti that I wanted. And I went to Target and I found the Bubba Cup. I was like, yeah, this one looks cute. Like I literally fell for like the fact that it was stainless steel with a pink straw. And it's the best cup I've ever owned. And it's $11 and I'm obsessed with it. And we actually just, I just got back from a yoga retreat and a side hustle that I do is I help plan the retreats with, um, Tootsie Olan, who I talk about every single episode, happens to be in the building today somewhere teaching yoga. Um, and she and I did like a matte black, amazing bubble cup with her logo on it, like for everybody at the retreat. So like obsessed with bubble cups right now. And I think that's my Right. Well, you know what? I may have to get you an extra, an extra have a bubble cup. All my cups leak. Mm-hmm. Well, my shirts have coffee in the front. But they knock. The only problem is during like shavasana during yoga, they'll they top they top. Oh, there's nothing worse. That's and a there's terrible a spill. feeling. There's a spill. That's a terrible because it's a straw cup, which yeah. I prefer a straw cup. So that's my current brand crush. But like, and obviously as you can tell, like you, mm-hmm. I cheerlead anything I'm currently obsessed with. So that's my current brand crush. Mm-hmm. What kind of do you have a current brand crush? Like something you're really into right now be anything. Marissa, you said you were having a current brand crush, something, a bracelet company or something. What were you talking about earlier? No? When I gave you that one? You know, you I'm not- in a like an ebb and flow right yeah, now. I- I'm not, I'm not like obsessed with anything. I, I'm You're trying- obsessed with Rent the Runway. You like Rent the Runway. Yeah, That's your yes. current brand crush. I do. I am utilizing, I'm from my, from my fans. I'm utilizing <laughs> the Rent fans. the Runway. I wouldn't say I'm obsessed right. with All right. Runway. So what are you obsessed with? Anything? No, I'm still me. Like, I'm obsessed with yeah. Rook Coffee. Yeah, Rook Coffee is our local. that happens in know. suburbia. I know, yeah. I know. We, we have other things. It's our Monmouth County, like, obsession. Okay. Um, but what am I obsessed with? I mean, I'm still as old school as it gets. Meredith will enjoy. Like, my, I'm still, like, my favorite things are still, like, Marshalls. I love like, love I love a I love an afternoon. Bye you guys. I'm going out to do errands and I'll just troll around TJ That's Maxx. 100% oh, yeah. same. With my headphones on. That I, is my I treat myself joy. It is. I treat myself to new running clothing at TJ Maxx. Uh, everything should be under $25. Yes. And that is my happy place, actually. Yeah. That like, is I am like, rare I'm like, I am like, I'm like, it's not Marshalls or TJ. Yeah, Max Maxinista. Like, Max I Same. also, we live where my mom is we, the ultimate Maxinista. She could spend five hours in that yeah. store and just like, I sport we were raised that way. So my, my grandparents were in the dress business, like your father. Mm-hmm. So my mother, although was raised with beautiful things, always taught us 
I grew up at Lowman's. Yes. Yeah, Lowman's. On Jerome uh, Avenue in the Bronx. Uh, the so for one. me, I love I was a competitive that. shopper. Love competitive yeah. shopping. <laughs> love, so. I love the natural high of finding something oh. that I, I just like to be different. And, and, and I think... But I mean, I, I live in a neighborhood now where we live in an area of Monmouth County that doesn't really have a true mall. Oh, yeah. It's very specialty store driven, but we have like an outdoor mall. Uh-huh. And then we have like our, we have a Nordstrom Rock. There's a Talbot the there. Yes. The Grove. Grove. Oh, yeah, the Grove. Oh, sure. Is us. Short Hills? No, Shrewsbury. No, the Grove. Oh, Shrewsbury. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm a, I'm a huge Saxoff Fifth fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'll like satisfy myself between like a... Saxaw Fifth with like home goods run and it's private yeah. with my coffee and then that's yeah. that's, well, that's joy. funny you bring that up. That so joy. now that you have well, yeah, so I do TJ and Marshalls. I put on my headphones. I walk through there and I buy my treat myself to new running clothing because everything ends up smelling garbage. Yeah, right? yes. Um, but last week I was at Marshalls on Sixth Avenue and I scored and I found a joie, you know the company Joie. Yeah, of course. A, adorable houndstooth blazer. The sleeves kind of roll up as part of the amazing. Thing. It was three ninety eight reduced to 59.99. Oh my, my gosh. Favorite. And here's the thing. I will take a size 0 to a size 14. I oh, can yeah. figure out. Yes. Oh, I mean, oh my gosh. We're the same. Yeah. Remember that? So Marissa had a so leopard good. shirt that we were all obsessed with that was definitely like a 1X. You're like, yeah. I don't care. I'm buying it. Yeah. It's yeah. literally one of our favorite garments. Belt it. Yeah. It's perfect. She like put a belt over it. She's like, well, yeah, yeah. Over yeah. 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 Oh, it's a tunic. It's a tunic. It's fine. Yeah. It's an off the shoulder. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're all the same. Oh, I love God. it. But, oh, what, oh, so this is my other thing. So um, I sit at home sometimes at night after everyone's gone to bed, and I scroll through Nordstrom Rack online. Me too. Sacks off Fifth online. Me too. And Neiman Last Call. So I don't go to Neiman's. I'll it's go to Century 21. Oh, Century, yeah, but I like Neiman's Last Call, all online. And I find cheap little cute dresses. Love that dress. Um, you know, I want to do under like $60. Yes. And I order, you know, whatever doesn't fit. I send back whatever it is. But that's been my obsession. Like, Wait, I'm it's so like a I share this. Now I'm like, scroll. Oh, I'll no, see you there. $80 above that's my too budget. Much. Too much. So that's If fun. it's $80, why am I buying that? Right. That's dumb. Right. I legit... We'll see you there. If there were community, like in our world, one day it will be like me and you, like on the Peloton bike on the side. Hey, high five! I'm here too. Eleven forty-five at night on the torque board. Yeah, that's me at Saks Off Fifth. And that's all she has. It's like her way of unwinding. This is too much information for the Dreamcatchers. But if I'm having a really rough day, I put a lot of things in my cart and then I close out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't I don't buy it. I uh-huh. just put it all in my car. It's like part of the therapy. Yeah. And then I they email that. you, you left things in your car. Oh, I know I did. I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I give myself a day. I'm over it. I'm over it. Oh, my oh God. God. So I good. I walking around TJ Maxx. I want to go do that right now. Okay. This was lovely. This Thank you for being you for here, Meredith. Me. Um, and you're going I, back to the office now? Yeah. yeah okay. We got to get you back. Work. All right. Thank you for being here. See you next time. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.